All right. Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. And today we have a former pastor, missionary, teacher of God's word, uh, Brother uh, Mike Williamson. Uh, and this is a guy that I met uh, a while back and um, just has an interesting story. And so I'm glad to, to get him on. He's a fellow podcaster. And um, I just would like for everybody to meet uh, Brother Mike. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Doing well, Anthony. All right. Thanks a lot. Um, as you guys are tuning in, uh, we're going to dive into a, just a discussion on um, ordinary people doing extraordinary missions. And um, after having a conversation with Brother Mike, I, I felt like it was impressed upon me to share uh, his story and you'll get to know him. Um, and, and we look forward to that. Uh, first and foremost, so you're listening to the Love the Neighbor Podcast Network. And thank you so much for those that are listening and supporting and sharing and um, subscribing and all those things. Uh, we need we need that to keep this podcast going. And so if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on um, the various podcast outlets, we really appreciate it. And thank you so much uh, for tuning in. So we're going to dive in. Um, you're going to get to meet Brother Mike Williamson. Uh, he uh, will tell you a lot about himself. I don't want to tell you, but Mike, what are some of the things that you want people to know about you? Well, let's see. I'm a semi-old guy, uh, retirement age, but I don't think that retirement as we uh, usually think about it or uh, aim for it in the U.S. is really a biblical type of uh, living. In fact, it's kind of giving up your life, giving up your some of some of the most purposeful, fruitful times of uh, of life are at the end. Some of those difficult, and some of the most fruitful. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm in that retirement age range and um, been married 30 years as of just a few days ago to my beloved wife. We were both 37 when we got married, so we thought, well, the Lord's not going to bring anyone along for us. And then boom! Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary! <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we were both in in ministry and thought, nope, we're not gonna we're not gonna get married. And then the Lord brought us to each other, and 30 years. So we're thankful to two beautiful daughters who love and are serving the Lord. And we're very thankful for that. Any parent is, is thankful when God has worked in their, their kids' hearts who are now adults. And, and it's, their, it's their passion, their heart to know and follow Christ and, and not yours, not, not any pressure from you. Amen. 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 Uh, what, what, are you, what are you doing uh, with yourself nowadays? Uh, at the retirement age, I know you're not retired, you know, so to speak, right. but yeah, what's going on nowadays? <laughs> yes. Thank you. It's a good question. Uh, you know, you probably have heard, like I have people, they, they, they go into retirement and then they say, I'm busier than I've ever been in my life. <laughs> and uh, that's true. I, I'm kind of uh, spread out in a bunch of different ways. I'm still serving in the church, a church I pastored here in central Minnesota for 17 years. And then I mentored a guy that took my place as the teaching pastor. And so I'm still, uh, still serving the church in different ways that I can, but I'm, uh, I'm on staff with Timothy two project international, which is a mission that, uh, let's see, officially 
they reach and teach pastors in the majority world. So those nations which have the majority of the population of the world, that's where we target to train pastors who have little to no biblical, theological, or pastoral training. Wow, so it's awesome. a great, a great privilege because those men then are, uh, you know, they're discipling, they're discipling the nations. They're, they're the ones that are right there uh, taking the word of God, bringing it week after week to their people. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful to be, I just actually switched missions. I had a small mission that I started and that's what I was doing. And I, and it was very, it was a lot of variety in it and the kind of things that I did. But then I, I met Timothy two project TTPI uh, two or three years ago. And we've been talking off and on and I did a sort of an internship with them over in El Salvador. And we decided, Hey, let's, let's, I'm going to come under your, your mission so that we could really focus on the training of pastors. That's amazing. And, and I just love that because, you know, as, as a pastor, um, my passion is helping other pastors as well. Um, and, and it's just needed the partnership of pastoring, creating that community of pastors. I think it, it, that support, ah, man, you know, and you, and you know, from pastoring for years, to know that you have a, a, a group of people supporting you, that you're not coming up with doctrine on your own. You're not, you know, doing it. You, you actually have other peers that are there pouring into you who are holding you accountable. And it feels like that's what, uh, what you're doing is you're giving uh, those pastors overseas the support that they need. You know, when I first started pastoring, um, at first there was no support, but then I, I got some support around me. And it made a world of difference, you know, (laughs) you know, so I really appreciate it. I thank God for what you guys are doing, the the Timothy two project and what you were doing before that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great privilege. And, and it's uh, well, just being part of God, God's mission in this world is, is a, is, it's kind of an unspeakable privilege that is not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a burden like God is saying, you know, I can't get this done unless you do it for me. But it's, you know, I'm God says I'm doing this, and I, I want to give you the uh, the unspeakable privilege of doing it with me. Yeah. And so, just just to be able to not only to take the gospel, but to take it to those who who preach and teach and disciple, uh, you know, make great. Di- great commission disciples all over the world. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I think that's the way the apostle Paul stated it, that he was just so privileged that God would grace him to have mm-hmm. a ministry, <laughs> you know, after, yeah. you know, he told Timothy, you know, my testimony, you know, the type of person that I was, but yet God graced me and gave me the awesome privilege uh, to be a minister of his gospel. And it's just an amazing, it is amazing privilege because mm-hmm. feeble, Broken people, God is using to do amazing things. What does the word say? He takes the foolish things of this world to confound yeah. the wise and the foolishness yeah. of preaching <laughs> to confound yeah. the wise. So that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So you have a podcast. What What's the name of your podcast and what what's the vision behind it? It's one of the more uh, creative titles, Pure Doctrine Today. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. And basically it's just two, three to four minute uh, podcasts, five days a week that just put out uh, teaching, teaching from, you know, it may, it may be doctrinal teaching. It may be something very practical, some area of sanctification, some area of, of uh, marriage communication, uh, solving issues between believers, all kinds of things, just quite, quite a lot of variety, but trying to keep it very biblically sound and doctrinally, uh, yeah, doctrinally pure. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I came across your podcast and that was what jumped out at me. I'm like, Oh, this guy is sound. He's sound. And, you know, cause it's really, you know, it's really hard to, to find people nowadays that aren't taking liberties, you know, with, with the Bible and saying things with the Bible that the Bible's not saying, you know, mm-hmm. and when I listen to your podcast, it's like, okay, he's sticking to the text. He's actually just explaining what's there. He's mm-hmm. not coming with his concepts or his prepackaged, you know, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to teach these five steps to become, you know, the greatest missionary in the world, you know, type thing, even though yeah. being a missionary is wonderful, that's not the way, you know, the text, you know, the Bible is to be used. It's to be, uh, it's, it's letting God speak to us, not taking God's word and using it, you know, um, as a, as a product that I can manipulate. And so I, I love that about your podcast, even though they were short segments, there was, a, there was a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. I de- definitely appreciate that um so ordinary people doing extraordinary missions so first of all let's talk about you as a person because most people would say that someone who is going overseas and traveling and uh, discipling pastors or doing missions that there is a a prototypical type of person you know uh, what type of person are you? And is that even true? Is there a prototypical type person that does missions? <laughs> uh, yes, they are. They all breathe. <laughs> uh, they, they, they all breathe. And, uh, and if they're, and if they're doing missions, that would be biblical missions. That is they're, they're part of what God is doing in the world to win a people for himself uh, and to his son. Uh, if that's about it, otherwise, <laughs> Yeah, just God uses so many types of people. He he get he gives a variety of gifts to a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds, and uh, those people are like you said they are uh, they're foolish, they're weak, <laughs> and and the best ones know it. <laughs> they know they're weak, <laughs> and so there's a there's a dependence, a growing dependence as they as they grow in Christ. That, that, yeah, that, that keeps them on the keeps them on the field, keeps them in the mission, guards and protects them because they're they not only uh, they not only know they need their brothers and sisters around them or their fellow pastors, like you were saying, but they 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 know they are desperately dependent on Christ and His His gracious Spirit, twenty four seven. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, um, you know missions is something that I have yet to be able to do. And I really want to, you know, go, I have been a missionary in my own zip code, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, that type of missionary where I'm, you know, 
uh, living amongst people, sharing the gospel with them, you know, breaking bread with them. I'm, I'm a big acts two type person that we sit down and we break bread together. We learn the word together. We pray together. We fellowship together, have things in common. And a lot of times it's, it's hard uh, for the church to accomplish those basic things. It seems like so often the church gets into, you know, performance and, you know, the big productions and we forget about the intimacy uh, of, of really getting to know people. Uh, and so that, that, that's my form of missions, but I would love to go out of the country. I have a daughter who's been to Japan and China and everywhere she's gone, she's started a Bible study or she's connected with people. And, and so it's just innate in her. And I was like, God, how, how come my daughter got to do this before <laughs> me, <laughs> you know, but you know, my job has been at home equipping the saints to go and do those type of things. Uh, how did you get involved um, in doing missions? Uh, probably, well, pro- right after I got married, my wife had been and, and was still for a little while with Camps Crusade for Christ. She was with the high school ministry and they had a, they had a, a, a two, two and a half week mission to Novosibirsk, which is Siberia, Russia. And uh, so I got to go. And so I went with her. It was, you know, a team of about 17, a bunch of high schoolers and, and a few adults. And uh, that's where this was April. But we were going, you know, 2000 miles east of Moscow to uh, Novosibirsk, which Novosibirsk just means New Siberia. And uh, we were going. This was right after Perestroika. This is was right after the the curtain fell and we were able to go into schools, public schools and share talks about who is Jesus, what are the scriptures, how do you get saved, and do initial follow-up. Uh, so it was, it was, they, everything was uncertain there. Their infrastructure had fallen apart, and they were like, we don't know what in the world we're going to do, but we need some hope, and we need some help. The, the parents would say, um, it's too late for us, but we want our kids to have it. <laughs> so we'd start with, it's not too late for you, but yes, your kids do need it. So, uh, so anyway, that was my first foreign missions experience. And wow. from there, yeah. Wow. So, amazing. Amazing. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. And then I uh, also Camps Crusade had something they called the International Leadership Academy. So they were like, they were like two-year Bible colleges. Uh, one, the first one I went to was in uh, Belarus, Minsk, Belarus, which is, which was and is still the most communist of the former Soviet countries. Well, maybe besides Russia now, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they still have the KGB. They have the same dictator they had way back in 1995, it might have been, when I went. Uh, so that was my second. And then I... and. So what we did was we taught it. It was like a two year Bible college. And uh, I think my segment was the synoptic gospels and the book of Acts. Wow. So I just did that for two weeks. And then I went to uh, Nicaragua for the same sort of thing. And uh, yeah, then there was a few years gap and I ended up here pastoring. And there was a fellow in the church 
who is, in my view, one of the great missionaries of all time. Wow. His name was John Pipes, not John Piper, but John Pipes. Um, and uh, big, white, ball-headed guy <laughs> uh, who, who was one of the best recruiters for missions I've ever, I've ever known. So he got me, he said, listen, I got, uh, we got this missionary training school in Ukraine. We've started up and love for you to go over there and teach systematic theology. Wow. (laughs) I just went in uh, October, late October. And that was the 15th, my 15th trip there for, for teaching at that little school. Uh, And then, you know, other things have happened since then, but it was basically God, uh, God using people that would come and say, hey, we've got this opportunity. How would you like to take part in it? How, how would you like to be part of it? And awesome. uh, boom. Yeah. Missions are something that are sometimes glamorized mm-hmm. by, you know, the the people in the pews, right? They view missionaries as, oh, my goodness, you must be just such a powerful, you know, person of God to go <laughs> into, you know, uh, missions and, you know, your life, you must have set your life up perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. In order to be able to take these trips. What, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, one of, one of the missions that I'm most uh, familiar with and have been for a while, I was on the board for a while, but I won't, I won't say their name. But they're kind of known as, they might not be the only mission like this. I'm sure they're not. But they're kind of known as the second chance mission. Hmm. So they literally they literally have dozens and dozens of missionaries, maybe at least a couple of hundred. And uh, many of those were rejected by other missions. Wow. But they were, but they, this mission welcomed them. And uh, it's amazing how many of them have very fruitful, impactful lives. Uh, but they, they, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't check all the boxes of what, you know, what they needed to be, to be a missionary. Uh, I'm not saying they took people in that, you know, really had scandalous lives, right. but they had people that, that had had something in their past that they still considered was disqualifying in the present. And, and this mission didn't, uh, they felt that if they if they had dealt with the past in a biblical way, and they had a heart and passion to serve Christ now, well, we're we're going to send them, and get behind them, and support them, and 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 God has blessed that in tremendous ways. So definitely an ordinary people. <laughs> yeah, really ordinary people. <laughs> you know, I, and I say that because you know um, sometimes we 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 make missionaries into super spiritual people um, mm. because you know you know the Lord you know especially how some people portray it you know so your you know introduction to missions was just your wife was a, a part of you know uh, was a crew or uh, yep crew now yeah crew and. They were going and you went along, you right. know, um, and my son actually was a part of crew all, all five years of college, wow. um, leader and crew. And so he never did missions because he was always playing football. Mm-hmm. So when they were going on mission trips, he was 
playing football, but he got to travel the country. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of those people, when they would come back from missions, it was always life changing. Um, there was something that they experienced that gave them a different lens and a different perspective um, when they came home. Did you feel like it was a similar experience for you? Um, uh, well, since I was since I was older, I wasn't, a, you know, I wasn't a high schooler or right, right, a college right. age. I was, you know, I was already pushing 40 and uh, I was already pushing 40 when I started. So for me, it, it wasn't, no, I didn't come back like, man, you know, for <laughs> working as a, on staff as a pastor. No, no, let's, let's can this. I'm going to the mission field. No, that right. wasn't my experience at all. It was just the, the understanding that, uh, that there, there are needs. For instance, if I 85, they say 85% plus, maybe 85 to 90% of the world's pastors have little to no biblical, theological, pastoral training. So if I'm just a very ordinary, very average pastor, which, I, you know, I was an NM, uh, I still have, <laughs> you know, I, I've got a tractor trailer truckload of experience and, and learning and skills that have been developed that I can share with them because they've had, they've had opportunity to have almost nothing. Maybe they just uh, showed a little bit of interest and promise and boom, all of a sudden they're the pastor. Right. <laughs> well, they're not going to people, their people aren't going to say, Hey, we, we can't, we can't raise enough potatoes or, and our goats have all died, but we're going to send you to seminary. We're going to somehow get the money. That doesn't happen that they, uh, they always uh, are bivocational or tri-vocational and pastoring is one. And uh, so if you can have someone that comes to them and has all the more training and skill to be able to share with them, then, uh, you know, that's, that's just, it's, it's a great need. It's a crying need. And, uh, and it's relatively easy from our side to, to help with it. So for you, uh, missions was just an extension of what you already were doing. It wasn't some new, amazing, eye-opening thing. It was, you know, you were teaching the word, you were shepherding people, discipling people, and now you're being asked to go take those skills over to people that need them, right? Right, right. You know, and so I, I think that, for me, that really does you know, bring it down because the glamorization of you're going, you know, to the world, you know, uh, it almost takes that away and, 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 and not minimizes it, but it allows the average person to really ask the question, you know, is it okay? Is, am, am I able to go do what I do here mm -hmm. somewhere else, whether mm -hmm. it's, in another uh, zip code, <laughs> another state, or another country, you're just taking what you've already been doing to these other places. Yeah, 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 exactly. In fact, uh, you know, there's there's an old saying that if you know if 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 you haven't been doing it at home, you're probably not going to do it. Just putting you on the mission field doesn't make you a missionary, <laughs> you know? right? Right. And I think that's a great point. I think that, that that's an awesome point because again, bringing it down 
to the Bible says that, you know, Jesus sent out his disciples. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them basically, and I'm, you know, summarizing what you've been taught, <laughs> you know, and I will be with you, right? You teach them what you've been taught. Don't teach them what you haven't been taught. Teach what you've been taught. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Amen. So, what is, is there? What is your, uh, I guess, uh, theological um, thought process behind thought process behind missions? You know, I kind of quoted Matthew twenty eight, um, but where where's where's your uh, foundation for this idea of missions come from? Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think it's it's really clearly the storyline of Scripture. You know, God redeeming a people for himself through his son, Jesus. Uh, and, and it's, it's a, you know, it's the, it's, if, are you familiar with perspectives, uh, perspective on the world Christian movement? Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm going to be teaching the second lesson of that uh, here in a couple of weeks in, in town here. It's called the story of his glory. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's, it's tracing the storyline of scripture where God is, God is showing his glory, his greatness to the nations. And he, he chooses out one nation to highlight that through. Although, you know, they, they, they did pretty pitiful, actually. <laughs> yeah. But there you, see his, there you see his greatness and glory, too, in, in his love and mercy and compassion. But he, he, he wants to show his greatness and his glory to the nations so that the response of the nations is worship, the worship of loving obedience. So they bring all that they are that actually comes from him, from him, through him, to him, or all things. They bring all that they are in response to his greatness back to him in worship. And of course, in the center of all that is the gospel which becomes more clear, of course, you get into the New Testament, but the, the gospel goes out and, and what we're doing is we're proclaiming the glory of God in Christ, mm. we're proclaiming the mercy of, the, of, of a God who is holy, whose eyes are too pure to look on evil, and yet has said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son, the eternal son's going to become also man, and I'm going to punish him. I'm going to, I'm going to put your sin on him and, and I'm going to punish him. I'm going to treat him like you deserve. And then I'm going to give you in free mercy, uh, what he deserves. Uh, And you're proclaiming that. And, and if, when, when people hear that and they, because it's in, it's in contrast to every other religion in the world, which is do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's do it. But the gospel proclaims it's done. Mm. Jesus said it is finished. And when people really hear that, they, they come into contact with the, the glory of a merciful God. And uh, he, he transforms. By the spirit, he draws them. Mm. Their response is repentance and faith. They become new creations. And they're they're part of the family. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I, you know, when I, when I hear you talk about the gospel in that way, it really, you know, puts into perspective the apostle Paul 
and why he felt the way that he felt, why he would say crazy things like, I'm a bond servant, I'm a slave, I, I owe everybody, <laughs> you know, because when, when grace meets our gratitude, there is, there is this thing that happens that says, how can I honor God? How can I, you know, it's not, you better do this to receive, it's, I've received so much that I just want to give back. I just want to do something, you know, and God's mm-hmm. like, well, there's, I don't need you to do anything, but I'm doing some work in the world. You can join me and tell others about what you experienced, <laughs> what has happened in your life. And that to me is the, is the heart of, of, of a missionary, of, of a pastor, of a teacher, of anyone who desires for other people to know Christ at the Mm -hmm. core of them is that they have experienced his love, his Mm -hmm. grace, his mercy. um, And Mm -hmm. they just want to share it with other people. And that can be the average person. That can be a teenager, you know, that can be an 80 year old, (laughs) you know, that can be anyone that's experienced that. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And, and the, uh, the whole idea and, environment the landscape for missions is so different in today than it was a generation ago because the the nations are coming to us <laughs> you know you you may never leave the continental u.s but you may in your lifetime you you may run into just multiply dozens of people from other nations and uh they're uh, you know where you, you could get involved you could waste your life arguing whether they ought to be here <laughs> or you can realize, you know what, they're here and a sovereign God brought them. And uh, so I have the opportunity to be their neighbor or live down the street or whatever, and to share with them the unsearchable riches of Christ, which they weren't going to hear in their country. Wow. Well, I think about the, the story of the good Samaritan. Me and a few guys were talking about that, how, you know, the, the Pharisees are questioning Jesus, you know, uh, what's the great commandment? And of course, Jesus says to, you know, well, what does the scripture say? And he says, oh, well, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And he says, "Do well, go ahead, go do that, right? <laughs> this is the one in Luke. <laughs> go do that. And he said, well, who's my neighbor? Yes, <laughs> you know? the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I think, again, that's what comes to mind when I hear you talk about missions is just love your neighbor, you know? Like Jesus said, okay, if that's the great commandment, then go do it, go do it. And then he tells the, the story, you know, of, of the Good Samaritan and how this person was willing to help a complete stranger, you know, after other people walked by him, passed him over, help a complete stranger and to the point, and we were focused on it. And we just kept saying this over and over again. He told the innkeeper and whatever else, <laughs> whatever he accumulates, I'll pay it. And as we said that, we all thought of that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's that's him. He came and he helped us. Mm-hmm. He bandaged up our wounds. He poured oil on it. And he said, whatever we owe, I'll pay it. <laughs> you know, who, yeah. who who wouldn't want to preach a God like that? <laughs> yeah. Amen. 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 And so, um, if, 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 if you had one story 
maybe maybe we got time for two. But one story that really impacts you um, doing missions, uh, what which one would that be? Well, give me number one, and then if you got time, we'll give it a number two. <laughs> okay, so a, a, a story from my missions experience. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, pro- my first time going to Ukraine, uh, it was it was a very different country. I mean, that was just like 2004, but that country has changed a lot in those years. And and I have always been going to uh, Odessa, which is on the Black Sea. Well, that's a, that's a city of about one and a half plus million people, and it, it tends to be more Europe. Western-like, you know, so there's more of a European influence there than maybe just the, uh, maybe the uh, Soviet influence. The Eastern, where Russia is right now, you know, the, all that stuff is happening on the Eastern border, and they've already taken over part of that. Russia has, oh, there it is, Russia in secret. <laughs> uh, but back then, just, just uh, 18, 17 years ago, it was so different. It, it, everything was sort of cloak and dagger. Uh, everyone had dark, long jackets on and they, they whispered and they looked at you and it was dark. And so when I, when I was taking the small bus, which is called a Mishruka, when I was taking that back to where I was going to stay for the night, this big dorm that had the dorm mom and me, there's three floors and I was the only other person in there. <laughs> and uh, so the guy who's putting me on the bus and telling me where to get off, he says, when you get off, don't speak English. <laughs> uh, you know, because you're going to give yourself away and, you know, something bad might happen. So I'm, this is me. I'm like, whoa, what is that? this is cloak and dagger. This is danger. This is, wow. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, mom's the word. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> not in English. And I walk through the dark and I'll just pass everybody. Don't look anyone in the eye, which people normally over there don't do. And uh, so that was that was the beginning experience, and uh, and also the before that when I had gone to Novosibirsk, in Novosibirsk, but also in Moscow, which we had stopped going and coming, uh, things were so much different. You might have you might go into a store and there was something on the shelf here, and three or four feet down there was another one thing on the shelf. It, it was just very barren. People might be out and they'd have these, they, uh, I was, in fact, it was McDonald's. We stopped at the McDonald's. This was wow, largest McDonald's in the world, three floors and 40 cash register lines. And every one of them is packed. Uh, <laughs> and you have to walk around with your tray till somebody stands up because it's so busy. Well, outside of this McDonald's, there's, there's a line of people and they're holding a, you know, bottle of vodka, which they're big manufacturers of over there or, or something like that. So there's a long line of people and they're all standing side by side and they're just holding it up, hoping somebody coming out of McDonald's wants to buy one. Uh, that's kind of what things were like. Uh, now, when I go to Odessa, there are grocery stores that are much larger than ours, much larger and much more full of products than here. And, uh, and so you and you so you have a people that are kind of satisfied and uh, they still have to be very creative to make 
very much money to live on. Uh, but generally speaking, they're, they're pretty satisfied because things have filled a lot of those holes right. that they were very aware of when they didn't have those things. But now that all those things are there and, and available, uh, there's a, there's a, there's more of a satisfaction and they're very productive people. So they're working all the time. Uh, but in, in the midst of that, uh, in, in Odessa, for instance, if, when you share the gospel, you typically, you share it for several years with the same person, uh, before there's any response. And that's typical. I mean, the Lord can, the Lord saves all kinds of different ways, uh, and he can save someone in a, in a moment. Uh, but typically, it's a long process, and you have to be really faithful and really committed. So we, we might go, I might go over there and teach systematic theology and be there for two weeks or so. But the people in the churches over there, what they're doing is they're just building friendships, and they're sharing the gospel one day at a time, life on life, over and over and over and over. And, and they've had people come to Christ. They, you know, people do come to Christ and when they come to Christ, they, they're normally, they normally really came to Christ. <laughs> you know, they counted the cost for a long time <laughs> before they decided to embrace Christ. Um, so anyway, that was sort of a rambling, uh, a rambling illustration, but the, the nation has changed a lot, but the needs haven't. Right. And the, the way to supply them is, is, is the same as it's always been life on life commitment to friendship and uh, sharing the truth as opportunities arise. There it is. Yeah. That, that, I mean, beautiful. I mean, like you said, that's the way I've done it here at home. You know, um, years ago I worked in a high school <laughs> and a lot of the kids that came to Christ, it wasn't because, you know, I, you better, it was because they watched me, they build relationships with me. And now as adults, you know, when they walk through the door, you know, I think about it, I'm like, wow, I remember when they had wanted nothing to do with the church or Jesus or any of that. But after years of walking with them, there was, there's one guy, he was a freshman when I met him and he didn't come to Christ till senior year, mm. literally mm. four years of and I was a football coach so I'm coaching this guy and he's seeing me live and he told me that I was really watching you to see if it was real mm. and a lot of people don't realize that that's what's happening that you know we want to uh, uh, close a deal right <laughs> right you know sales pitch and close the deal I got one I got one <laughs> you know that kind of you know deal when it's really not like that it, this is this is this is a, a move of God, and we are partnering with what he what God is doing, and God knows the hearts of people. He knows what it takes. He knows how long it's going to take, and we can't rush this. <laughs> you know, we, you know. Uh, he told uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, "I will make you fishers of men." And I was talking to somebody about being a fisher of men. I said, "I've never actually been fishing, but I've done a lot of fishing." of men. And I look at the parallel it's still the same. You're going to have to be willing to be patient. You're not going to be able to make the fish bite. <laughs> you may have to sit out there all day. You know, you may have to, you know, keep coming back to the same until the bite happens. And 
I feel like that's a reality when it comes down to sharing the gospel, that there's no, all right, I got a foolproof method of closing the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> no. no, yeah, there's a, uh, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of our methods in the past, and I guess they're still used, are, uh, are just, yeah, get people to make a decision they're not ready to make, don't want to make, don't know they're making, but they can do what you said, raise that hand, sign this card, pray this prayer, not uh, know and trust this Christ who came, lived, died, rose again for sinners like you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I pray that in our local churches, we recapture that idea of making disciples, you know, a lot of people view making disciples as something for the elite, um, for the folks that have been trained in discipleship methods. And a lot of making disciples happens when you come out of your front door and pick up your newspaper as your neighbor is doing the same thing. <laughs> Those There's conversations and there's interactions going on that give you the greatest opportunity to make disciples, you know, mm-hmm. uh, much greater than what the pastor can do from the pulpit, you know, it is right there, that opportunity. And, you know, hoping that people understand that I don't have to go overseas to do that. Whereas if that opportunity happens, you know, it's a wonderful experience as what you're saying, but we really should be focused on that in our everyday life, not just waiting to go overseas. Would you, would you agree to that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it shouldn't be an either or, but a both and. But it does start at home, just like if you have a if you, you know, in the New Testament, you have First Timothy three and Titus one as as primary uh, primary passages to talk about what how do you test, what do you look for in someone that's going to become a pastor, elder, uh, and those things start at home. <laughs> you know, it starts at home. How do you treat your wife? How do you treat your children? What are they like? How, are their lives out of control or uh, how do you handle your finances? Are you self-controlled? All those things start at home. Yes. And then the, the opportunities broaden out of what happens at home. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so, at, you know, as we're coming to a close, uh, I'm really enjoying this and probably could push it and go more because I have plenty of questions. There's one thing that that was impressing upon me um, as I thought about, you know, our conversation, um, and it has to do with this whole pandemic deal, right? Um, For an individual who is doing missions, going overseas, um, with the political climate and people taking sides on vaccinated, unvaccinated, you know, should you vaccinate, you know, is, are you a Christian? If you do, are you a Christian? If you don't, mm-hmm. how did you sort through that? Um, you know, knowing that if I'm going to go into these other countries, they're probably going to require me to be vaccinated. How did you sort through that um, in order to come to the you know conclusion that I'm going to do what I need to do to fulfill this purpose that I believe God has called me to? Yeah. Well, uh, I think basically you, you know, you, everyone needs to do their homework, uh, 
they need to have some, you know, some sources that they have reason to believe are, are honest, upright, forthright. And, uh, and what, what do they say? You know, a lot of people have uh, some kind of acquaintance that's a medical person or a doctor or whatever. Uh, And you can find a great, a great amount of differences, obviously, in all those camps as well. But then I, I asked the head of Timothy two project international. And then one of the, uh, uh, the director of the Latin American director also, I said, did you, have you guys been vaccinated? Which vaccine did you get? What do you think? And they said, you know, yeah, we both have. And it's, it just makes it a lot easier to be able to travel when the doors are open. I said, okay, good. Uh, and so I got, I got vaccinated and, uh, yeah, in fact, I just signed up this morning for a boot, uh, booster, uh, because, uh, just like you said, it makes a lot of things easier. I've got that card <laughs> and it's pinned in the back of my, uh, uh, my passport. And so if I need it, boom, it's there. And I needed it numbers of times when I was recently, uh, just, yeah, I was in Ukraine for a little over two weeks. And then I was for a week in Honduras, almost back to back. And I, I had to use that thing numerous times. So it just made it easier, uh, probably like you, I'm sure like you, I understand everyone has to make their own decision and, uh, to the, you don't, you don't condemn the mass, the servant of another master to his own mastery stands or falls. They, uh, just, you know, make, make good decisions, et cetera. But sometimes there are things that toggle the switch and just being able to do missions and being able to do what, I've committed to now that the Lord has called me to, as far as helping, helping to, to train and equip pastors in different countries. Uh, one of the things that made that possible and kept it possible was being vaccinated. So boom, just did it. Amen. Amen. I, yeah. I appreciate your candor on that because it, it can be a tough, a touchy subject. Sure. Even amongst believers, you know, Uh, so I think, you know, you answered it, you know, honestly, because like you said, I feel the same way. Um, I think each person, you know, has to be convinced in their own mind. Right. They're going to have to make that decision. They have to do their homework have to do their research. Uh, I think the, 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 the issue that always that I've had, you know, in all this is when people use the Bible as a reason not to, or a reason to, whereas I don't think this really falls, you know, scripturally under some specific, you know, uh, passage, you know, if anything, you know, um, it's one of those things that, you know, all things are, you know, lawful to me, but not everything's beneficial. And I have to determine, you know, if it's beneficial, you know, Mm -hmm. I have allergies or, you know, something that makes, you know, I'm not going to take it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I think most people struggle from what I understand is the idea of mandating that everyone takes it instead of allowing people to choose. And, and I would agree with that. I think, you know, people should be allowed to choose and, you know, faced with, you know, things that they're trying to accomplish. Like, okay, well, if I'm going to do missions, I'm going to go ahead and take it. If I'm going to stay at home, <laughs> I'm not going to take it. You know, about allergies or some type of allergic reaction to something in the medicine. I'm not. So 
instead of making this um, an argument, you know, um, and a divisive issue among believers. Um, last but not least, uh, what would you um, say to those who are considering uh, doing missions? What would what advice would you give in how they should go about uh, doing it? Uh, and you know, coming to that conclusion, what what helps can you give them? Uh, in that process? Yeah. Well, I would say if, if, if someone came to me, whether they were uh, a teen or, or older and said, boy, I've just, I'm just really wanting, I'm just, you know, maybe they would say feeling, I'm, I, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that God's, God wants me to, to be involved, uh, you know, overseas. And I think well, I would say, uh, first of all, uh, do do everything within your power to know him and his word more deeply. Second, pray constantly. Pray for God to give you his own heart. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. And if he would be pleased, you'd be one of them. But that he would give you his heart. Then uh, look for opportunities to be involved with the nations right where you live. Do you have some relationships with people from other cultures? Well, it's usually really easy. And they're usually, people from other cultures are really, usually really receptive to uh, relationships with, you know, with, uh, with Americans. And then, uh, and then as, you're, as you're doing all this, you're, you're in the right place. You're on the tracks for God to guide that train. Uh, he will make your path straight and, and then look for those opportunities that, uh, you know, some people have a heart for a specific part of the world. There, there were two students I had in the missionary training school. They're both Ukrainians, but their heart was for Japan. Mm. And, and Japan is, that is an exorbitant uh, cost of living. It's just unbelievably expensive to live in Japan. Well, now they've been there for over a year uh, <laughs> as Ukrainian missionaries in Japan. Okay. Wow. They, they had a specific heart, but they were they were involved where they were uh, with with people, with other people, and uh, doing everything they could, learning the language, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say, know the Lord, just deepen your your understanding, your knowledge of Him, your walk with Him, uh, be, be involved in your local church serving, uh, be a be a person of prayer asking the Lord to give you a heart for the world, like his heart, and then, be, and then be involved with people from other nations who are where you are. And, uh, if, if a door needs to be open you're, and you're doing all that, the Lord's going to open that door and you'll be ready. Yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul prayed in uh, Colossians four. He said, pray fervently that God would open a door for us to preach the gospel. And, you know, I think a lot of people aren't focused on that, but a person that desires to do missions should be focused on being ready, as you said, knowing the Lord, knowing the word, having his heart, and then praying for that door to be open um, so that you can go share the gospel with the nations. Uh, this has been awesome, uh, Brother Mike, and um, just so privileged that you would take the time uh, to do this interview. I, you 
you know, you understand what it takes putting together a podcast and you probably were wondering like, wow, how's this going to go? You know, cause it's probably mm-hmm. you know so different from um, your podcast. But one of the things that the Lord has, you know, placed on my heart is to connect with mm-hmm. other podcasters um, and just, you know, share their stories, not about how many views they have or don't have. It's about, you know, people seeing, uh, people from different backgrounds, different styles of teaching, different um, cultures, different, but all loving the same God, all uh, receiving the same grace from the same Lord, you know, and that being the one thing we have in common because of Jesus Christ, we are all uh, brothers and sisters in him. We're the, we're the children of God and he gave us the right to become the children of God, because we believe on his name, the name of the only begotten son. Um, If you would do me an awesome favor and just uh, say a word of prayer for our listeners, uh, those that may be considering missions and, you know, I I see you have a heart for it. And so I'd just love for you to pray for those listeners uh, that may um, be wanting to do missions or have a heart for it. Sure. Sure. Anthony, we'd like to do that. Father in heaven, you are, uh, Oh, missions is your idea. It's, it's, it's your missions is your mission in this world. And uh, you are, you're out, you're after worshipers and you're not after worshipers to enslave them to some kind of uh, lifestyle of, of just acknowledging you uh, like a, like a proud master, but you're, you're looking for worshipers who will become your own, who will be your own children. You're looking for worshipers who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and are bringing all that they are uh, so that they may, it, it may be that their, their extravagant gift to you for your mercy to them. Lord, I thank you for uh, those that are listening. I thank you for the, the heart and the interest that you've been stirring up in them for your work in the world to join you in your mission. I thank you for all the, uh, people from different nations that live around them that you want them to connect with and be part, uh, have friendships with and, and, and look and pray for opportunities to share the unsearchable riches of Christ with them. So would you stir that up? Would you, would you grant them very practical wisdom about steps to take so that they can move alongside of, of what you're already doing in the world the uh, fields are ripe for harvest and they could become part of them and join you in your work. Would you bless them in that and grant them that they may continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And amen. Well, brother Mike, I, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on um, your podcast. I will, uh, drop the link in the comments so that people can uh, check out you know, the encouragement and the things that you're doing. Um, is there anything else that uh, people need to know or any other way they can get a hold of you or contact you? Or um, I, I, think, uh, I think through a podcast, if you, if you wanted to communicate that you can, you can that's available, isn't it? Yep. Yep. You can leave a message there. Yep. Uh, definitely so i'll drop that link uh in the in the uh description section uh so uh people can can check out with you what you're doing and if they want to communicate they'll they'll 
they'll do that as well. Uh, but again, uh, thank you so much. God bless you. Uh, this was amazing. And I you know, hope that we, we, we build a relationship. I would like to learn a lot more about uh, the Titus II project. That sounds like an amazing uh, opportunity for those that are eligible for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good ministry. Yeah, Anthony, I, it's been a joy. It's been a joy. I really thank God for you and your ministry. And, and he's just, you know, he's brought you along in a very good, he, he's, he's brought you along a wonderful path in your life. I mean, not that everything's been roses, I know, but where he's, where he's brought you and where he's brought you to and the fruit uh, from that, the fruit from your life, uh, man, it's got, it's got the Lord's mercy and grace written all over it. So, Amen. <laughs> That, that's it. You know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Yeah. In the house of the Lord forever. That's that's my desire. And so uh, I really enjoy fellowshipping with you. To those that are listening, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Amen.